Fake. Fake. That's how I sum up this last year of grieving. I was thinking about it last night. Brushing my teeth, I was very much in my head and was feeling bad. I had been at my work Christmas party, trying so hard to have fun. And I really do enjoy these people and did mostly have fun. But underneath that was me constantly thinking about the day and then expressing my pain later in a post. A co-worker apologizes for not realizing. Well, that's not her fault. It's me being fake. While I can genuinely have fun, it's not without an internal awareness. Me thinking things like, wow, I'm having fun despite. You seem to be having a little fun, Lori. Did you forget already? Lori, enjoy this moment because it won't last. Do you think people think I'm doing great because I'm having fun this moment? At first, it's the obvious thing that everyone is thinking, so it's evident in every touch, tone, and content of conversations. Sure, there are a few that leave the elephant in the room, but overall, people know. But after a while, people assume you aren't thinking about it all the time, and you hope they don't just identify you with the death of your son. But yet, secretly, you are screaming for them not to forget. Logan dying still hasn't escaped my thoughts enough. Yesterday was me thinking about it being the eve of December 15th, the whole dang day. Today is the 15th, and how do you escape that even if it's just a day on the calendar? Last week it was me thinking about the 15th being only a week away, and tomorrow my thoughts will be on the day before, and in six months it will be six more months until the next December 15th. It's always something. And I know everyone knows this about grief, and I don't need to be told it's okay to feel this way. I know that too. And of course, it's heavier on my heart right now, but still, nearly everywhere I go, I'm being fake. I'm pretending like it's not bothering me. I'm pretending like I'm not aware of dates or that they won't affect my thoughts like they do. Instead of me listening to conversations, I'm being fake and wondering, do they know the day is coming up? Do they know I'm hurting as we are laughing? Do they know I'm trying to figure out if they know I've lost a child? Do they realize I've cried 10 minutes before our conversation? Do they know I know they are watching to see my reaction to a certain comment? Do they know I know they are looking at me to see my reaction to a certain song. Do they know when I make a sniffle, I realize they turn to make sure I'm okay? Do they know I'm struggling despite clicking a happy face like and making a sweet comment? Do they know that I love you won't leave my mind for a while? Do they know I really want to help but fear I don't have the answers for their mental health questions? Do they know how much I appreciate their cards or messages, but that it does often trigger more emotions, but that they mean so much I keep every single one and anticipate the next one? A doctor approaches me with a simple conversation. Does he know that I am thinking how appreciative I am that he came to Logan's service? When someone hasn't seen my husband for a while, do they know I'm wondering if they told their spouse? There they are. 
There he is, the one that lost his son. Do they know I go to a bazaar with my dogs to get a Santa picture and leave thinking only about suicide because of a booth that was promoting mental health? Do they know when they give me a meaningful hug and ask how I'm doing and I answer vaguely that I really have so much more to say but just don't want to say it? Do they know? Do they know? Do they know? Even if I make it through an hour not recognizing my inner thoughts, they seep in somehow. Often it's not a conscious awareness, but weird how every aspect of my life finds relation with my son's death when I contemplate them. It's like it's so consumed in all that I am, it's impossible to escape. So I can be a little fake, and I can be a lot fake. Although it's been much easier to hold off my tears, sometimes I'm working incredibly hard to do it, and other times I'm able to just redirect my thoughts. But I do it because you can't be a spectacle all day long. I don't need people feeling sorry for me all the time. I don't want people doing that either. Most of the time, I don't want comfort. And it gets old to have it be a part of every interaction. It's how you move through the process. Fake it till you make it. You begin pretending and not bringing it to the forefront of the conversation. Others stop asking because, for one, they don't want to keep bringing it up. And two, they know you don't want to keep addressing it. So if I'm being honest, I'm still faking it a lot. And even though I don't like to be fake, in fact, I hate it, it's too exhausting for everyone, including myself, not to. It's just the way it is. I know it makes you uncomfortable. It makes me uncomfortable, too. Hashtag suicide sucks. Hashtag suicide awareness. Hashtag mental health awareness. Hashtag miss him so much. Hashtag two years. Meeting Logan's call taker. The next time you're at Starbucks, look around and imagine why some of those people are there. There just might be two people meeting for the first time. And when you see them hug for an extended, heavy embrace, smile. This encounter might be nearly two years coming. And it might be like one of those feel-good 2020 stories where the 911 call taker gets to meet the mom whose son she saved. But what if the son didn't live? How would that change things? Would they still even want to meet? When I got a friend request last week from Christina, I saw we only had one random friend in common. I checked her out, and although I could see at best a few things, I did see she had just lost her brother. Assuming she found me because of my grief posts, I accepted. Only a few minutes later, I was shaking, reading the words, Hello, Lori. I have wanted to reach out to you almost two years now. I had asked for advice and was told to wait, so I've hesitated for quite a while now. I think about Logan pretty much every day, and this morning when I saw a similar car to his, I just thought I couldn't wait any longer. I've always wanted to share my part of the story with you, only if you would like to hear it. Did Logan have a girlfriend I knew nothing about? Those thoughts filled my mind, as I quickly wrote back saying, please, please. She returned the message, 
by sharing some memories of Logan. Instantly, I knew he was a character. He made me lift my head and just smile. He would joke. He was amazing. Well, Lori, I was the one who took the call that night. Oh, wow. I didn't realize she knew him. Logan had began working as a 911 call taker just a couple months before. So his call to the line to give a location of his car as he was about to take his life was unique. I knew it was a female that night, and although my devoted mind always wants every last piece of data, I had never pursued more about this lady because my understanding was that she did not really know him. I had been thankful for that, but that wasn't the case. The environment was fairly small, and he worked her shift for an amount of time and had taken a liking for him. So on that night, it was a call that would forever change her. She says, the most important call I will ever take. These are never easy or normal calls, but this time she just sensed something and now is beating herself up for it. I should have recognized his voice. I should have told him he was special. I should have. I should have. I should have. This is one of the devastating patterns of suicide. It leaves so many questioning and wondering and regretting that a number of those affected is impossible to predict or measure. But what Christina didn't know was that I had listened to that call. In my efforts to gather any and all knowledge to add to my summarization of the events, I had to. It wasn't about judging the call taker. It was about knowing what my baby's last words were. And I needed to listen. I longed to know his demeanor. Was he scared, nervous, somber, sobbing, or just nonchalant, just like a typical Logan call would be? But what would turn out to be the most important reason I listened to it was so that I could ascertain to this amazing woman that she did not fail us or Logan in that night. While she had been feeling like she flunked her most important call ever and just plain didn't do a good enough job, I was able to praise her efforts and tell her in all honesty that she did everything she should have done, could have done, and that I wished was done. And although no other Bormans have listened to the call, I was sure that they all would agree and tell her the same but I needed to give her a hug. So yes, we did meet, and I was able to tell her these things in person, receive a much-needed hug myself, and all of it, despite some tears, was so, so fulfilling. I am so saddened she hesitated until now and lived so long with extensive anguish, but I'm so thankful she finally did reach out and we were able to experience some closure. Information she offered utters there is still so much to be done regarding mental health awareness and the recognition of services available and training that should be done with those in the 911 world of Colorado Springs. Maybe we can somehow come together and make a difference. Peace. We were both able to get some of that good stuff. I gave her one of Logan's ornament angels I offered to those who had been angels to me. No coincidence, I had one left. She was reaching out to apologize, and instead, I was able to hug her, thank her, 
and give her a tranquility she hasn't felt in nearly two years. And for me, I was able to have just one more connection to my son. Hashtag suicide awareness. Hashtag mental health awareness. Hashtag finding some peace. Hashtag miss him so much. And her Facebook post. I met with someone so dear to me, finally. Almost two years have gone by since I got that call, Logan's call. For almost two years, I have blamed myself for being the one who couldn't save him. And for almost two years, I have waited and waited to reach out to his family. I finally did it. I met with his beautiful mother, Lori Logan Borman, and it was amazing. I finally have a sense of closure. I was able to share my piece to the puzzle and learn so much about his. It reminded me so much of my brother, so many similarities. Logan was so special. I knew it right away from the first moment I heard him speak. Lori gave me this very special ornament, which is so perfect because I have an all-year tree in my room. I now have a special piece to remind me of him every day, my third guardian angel. Logan, you hold such a special place in my heart. I love you forever, buddy.